And I have this feeling that like, you know, you can take a a site that's been desecrated and you can you can make it sacred again. But you can also like have come on a beautiful sacred site and 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 ruin it and destroy it. And so that's something that I'm I'm really um conscious of with my products. architect based out of Hawaii and California. I met Craig surfing at Old Man's in Oahu, and I had the pleasure of connecting him today to talk about his practice, being an outsider in San Francisco and Hawaii, architecture as a practice for critical thinking, about fatherhood, about scale, and building the same house over and over again, getting better though each time. I really enjoyed his optimism, and as someone who's built houses and built constructed projects before, I found his approach powerful, and I really enjoyed his edited, thoughtful, philosophical practice that takes into nature, people, a thoughtful approach to building and to living. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks for listening. Hey, Craig, how's it going, man? Um, oh, good. Yeah, you just made me laugh because... I don't know. I just sometimes I do these interviews and people, you know, show up ten minutes late. Sometimes they show up ten minutes early. So I really appreciate your time, I, especially here in Hawaii. Oh, no problem. No, uh, I, was, I was outside stuff, so it's good to be back in. So uh, I see you're in your house in Hawaii, so that's beautiful. I mean, my first question, Craig, is when did you uh, let your hair out? You just grew it out. I saw a picture of you maybe fifteen years ago, and you had shorter hair. Let's see, I grow my hair out. And why did why did I do it? I don't know. I I, I think. I just, um, yeah, about probably about 15 or 20 years ago when I just haven't, I got into just this idea that let it, let it do what it naturally does. And, um, that was kind of like the beginning of it. I mean, it looks solid. The first time I met you in the water, I thought you were 10 years younger. So, um, I mean, Hawaii does that. It keeps us, you know, healthier and sane and connected to something. Good place. I think a lot of hard, hard work keeps you healthy. You know what I mean? Like a lot of outside time, a lot of, a lot of sweating, a lot of activity. It's great. Great. I, I wanted to start. I've, I've, I listened to a lot of your interviews and I read a lot of them and um, I didn't know, I knew your work before I met you in the water, but I didn't know your name. So I think that says something good about your architecture because I've seen it and I was like, oh, that's a great building and, you know, it's beautiful. What buildings did you see? What, what, what uh, buildings did you see? I've seen your studio in Lower Haight or kind of Western Edition, San Francisco. And I've seen your pictures. And I have friends who work for Dwell and I'd seen your your work in Hawaii and you're one of the few architects who's kind of between places. I mean, Hawaii, a lot of people are between places, but you're specifically between San Francisco and Hawaii. And I have experience working in both of those places. So my first question, uh, Craig, is how do you differentiate the planning departments between each? How do you build and what's your what's your ethos in approaching the planning departments of each place? I mean, I think the whole thing, I think like, Seriously, the you know we've been doing this for like twenty five years, going back and forth between Hawaii and San Francisco, and it seems like when people ask me about what I do, that's the thing that comes up kind of the the first, like how how that that works or how how it works for me. And um, I have to say that like the thing that I love about it, about being in Hawaii and being in San Francisco, it's like I feel like 
when I'm in San Francisco, I have a clear idea of Hawaii. Um, and in, when I'm in Hawaii, it's the same with San Francisco. And I think there's something that I like very much about being sort of constantly an outsider in both places. It really helps you sort of um, navigate it and see it, like to know enough about the place to be a local, to be an insider, but to still um, have sort of a perspective that's a little bit removed. So, I mean, I think that really gets to your question, what you're asking. It's like, that's that's how we sort of deal with it. You know what I mean? It's I think like maybe that outsiderness um, fosters a little bit of naivete, which is great. Um, I don't think you get like mired down in it on either place in Hawaii or in San Francisco. And and I think the bottom line is it's just like, it, you know, it, all of those things. It's like, if you're, you know, if your intentions are in the right place with architecture, you, you, you just have to do what it takes to get it built. And that's, you know, doing a lot of, a lot of stuff that isn't easy, but there's nothing easy about architecture, but it's ultimately worth it. So does, I saw, I read in one of your interviews that, that you had a client who I think you built the DFIN house for, uh, which yeah. is beautiful. And you're, you know, they just moved to Hawaii from California. And then I read somewhere that you're like, yeah, let's work on this in a year or two. So I'm curious about your relationship with clients and how sometimes, how has Hawaii changed coming to Hawaii 20 years ago or 25 years ago? What's that relationship changed? Has it slowed you? Has it made you faster? You know, to me, it seems like you connected more with the land, but I'm curious what you. Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, I think like, so back to the defense house. Yeah. Um, so the owners came to me and they, and, you know, and I feel like a lot of people, like I end up talking to a lot of people who are excited about Hawaii, but I think a lot of times people's expectations and their, their sort of ideas or ideals about Hawaii aren't really what Hawaii is. So um, I kind of want them to work it out for themselves to see if it's really a place they want to be. And also I feel like, um, I feel like I have a, a huge responsibility. You know, the more time I'm, I'm here, um, the more responsibility I have to Hawaii and to the islands. And and I don't want to be a, a sort of a facilitator for people that I don't think really get the island. And I mean, you know, that that limits me. Like I I had a really good job you know, on this island, kind of right on, the, on a beautiful site, Waipio Valley above it. And, um, you know, I quit it because I just didn't think the owner really, I didn't like what he was doing with the site. You know, I, I read a lot of, you know, the writer Wendell Berry, do you know, he's a, I really like what he has to say about land and stuff. And this is something I, I keep going back to and I keep bringing up, but he talks about like sacred land and desecrated land. And, and I have this feeling that like, you know, you can take a, a site that's been desecrated and you can, you can make it sacred again, but you can also like have come on a beautiful sacred site and, and, and ruin it and destroy it. And so that's something that I'm, I'm really um, conscious of with my projects in Hawaii. So yeah, the DFIN, you know, they they were new to farming and and um, it just seemed kind of at the first conversation, like it could be a train wreck. And I wanted just to see what they did. And a couple of years they came back and they'd made great connections and they'd got things going and they seemed like people that would really make sense to work with and help them on it and turned out to be a, a great project and they're, they're great friends. Has that approached how you work in California or other sites? Have you taken that kind of thoughts on the Aina kind of to California? Yeah, completely. And how how can I not? You know, it's like you get used to sort of working a certain way and you really, you feel a responsibility to the land. And I think, 
I think, um, you know, there's that, that whole kind of conversation about regionalism, you know, should an architect only, only work, you know, in the place where they, where they live and where they know. And I, and I think that's, that's, there's some validity to that, but I think there's also sort of a, people move around so much and, and people visit so many different places. And I think there's like a, a skill that can be honed about just kind of like tapping into what, what the land is about, wherever it is, whether it's in California, whether it's, you know, Northern California, Southern California, Mexico, Hawaii. Um, and I, I think there's sort of like you, you, the more you do this, the more you get attuned to really understanding it and feeling it on like a really instinctive level um, that I think kind of starts to get reflected in the work that we do. It seems like, you know, every, like right now we've got a job in Mexico along the ocean on a surf break and we've got a job up above um, Sea Ranch right on the, on the, you know, the ocean side of Highway 1. And it seems like a lot of these, you know, we've got Hawaii work as well. And it seems like a lot of these jobs, these sort of sites like this, the clients are attracted to how, what we kind of put on these things. We put small things. We put, I like to build small architecture. I like to build these sort of buildings that are, I always call them and kind of look at them as like a tool between scales, like sort of this, this tool between like human scale and kind of like uh, the environment. And so I think that gets sort of picked up on. So, yeah, I feel like Hawaii has been fantastic for doing that in a lot of ways because um, it was the beginning of working on places on sites that were so powerful, so strong. And, you know, I wanted to leave them better than I found them. Do you ever imagine doing, no, no, I, I totally feel the feeling as people, as they take more time in Polynesia, I think it slows you down and you become more connected to some bigger yeah. force. So you can definitely tell like when people are newer to the island and that's why I thought I started with that yeah, question about your hair. If your hair was kind of just letting go and rooting yourself in some place, or if you're just, maybe there's a metaphor <laughs> there, but maybe it's not there. Have you ever uh, had long hair? Have you ever let your hair grow long? Oh yeah, for sure. But I used to have it long and now it's a little bit short. So maybe I'm trying to unroot myself. Who knows? But, um, Grew it long. let it go. Let it do what it wants to do. Craig, I was going to ask you about, you know, your architecture, one of the things I've interviewed other architects, and there's always like this global homogenous architecture, this modernist approach to architecture in the West. And then you're fighting that kind of localism and that local aesthetics. I'm curious how you balance and try to really develop your own narrative aesthetic versus, you know, clients look at Pinterest or the social media. Everyone's getting like this echo chamber of architecture. I look at Dwell, almost everything starts looking the same, right? And then you almost have I to, I have to look at other architects who are like, to just randomly go to some street in India on Google Maps and they're just like clicking around. So how do you get out of that echo chamber? Like, how do you keep your eyes fresh? Is that just jumping between California and Hawaii? Or how are you not getting influenced by that kind of global aesthetic? That's a great way to bring that up. I mean, I don't know. To me, it's like, it's pretty shallow and pretty, pretty hollow. Um, and I think like, you know, I think, I think what kind of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're bringing it up right here. It's like, I think, I think anybody who looks around at architecture enough sees that it can become just a, you know, a, a pastiche. It can become like a, 
an Instagram style or, or, you know, I think also people start doing architecture that just becomes something that's Instagrammable or Pinterestable or whatever. Um, but I think like, you know, the, the one great thing about it is it's like, I think, you know, there, there's, everyone sees so much of it that I think, you know, it starts to look the same and, and there's what really I think stands out are maybe more people that are really interested in, in sort of form making and shapes and in sort of like what can happen, what, you know, what can happen with, with forms. So, I mean, even though those things like maybe, I mean, here's an interesting idea, maybe in a way what those things do is it, it, it sort of raises the bar in some ways, you know what I mean? It gives, it gives some, just like, you know, you brought up dual magazine, like, you know, dual magazine sort of, I feel like it raised the bar sort of in modern architecture in some ways, because, you know, it just started, it started presenting it, but it's become like, I think kind of it's leveled out. It's presented in a way that you can maybe be critical of it. Um, so I don't know. I feel like, you know, personally, like I, I feel like I've made great connections through Instagram and things like that, but I don't take it too seriously. You know, I don't take it, I don't take it too deep. And I still probably feel about architecture and experience architecture the same way I always have. And that's like, you know, talking to other friends who are interested in architecture, you know, kind of like investigating it for myself, reading things, hearing names that come up. I mean, I mean, the great thing about, I think, Instagram and all these things is the accessibility of, of photographs and images and things that you can find that you still not be able to even, you know, things didn't even exist. Um, you couldn't even find them. And now it's, it's maybe easier. So I don't know. I hate to be such a, I don't want to be a downer on it, but you know, I think it serves a purpose. No, I like the positivity of, you know, democratizing aesthetics and design and, or are you looking more to the past for books? I'm just, how do you keep out of that kind of eco chamber? That's what I'm curious. Maybe you grew up in a time without the internet, so you're more rooted, but like, how do you, when you deal with younger architects, are you seeing a shallowness or a deepness or what are you seeing with younger people? Well, I mean, I think one of, one of the conversations that I always get into is just how, like, I feel, you know, again, I think one of the things that sort of gets lost is the, is the, is the power of shapes and the power of, of space. Um, in architecture. So I'm always, I mean, I feel like with what I do, it's definitely like, I mean, it's, it's form and shape driven a lot of times. And I think that's something that's, it's for me, it's always been that. So it's been like a long kind of process of refining those shapes and forms in an instinctive way. And I don't know if that really happens a lot. I mean, now as much, but I mean, I, I think it still does. I talk to young people who still feel the same way about it. I feel, you know, like it, I, I think there's like a, maybe now more than ever, there's sort of desire for that again, because I think like the old way of finding, you know, information about architecture was through books, through magazines, through things like that, you know, through reading, through researching. And I think maybe that sort of tangible part of it is, is kind of back in. I think people are interested in that, like younger people. Um, in, into you know, the that, analog. Gets back, that gets back to like, you know, teaching too, you know, like, you know, schools and, and things it's been interesting, like kind of getting, having a little bit more involvement with that. Um, you know, just kind of like being able, you know, seeing generations of what people look at and what people see as important in architecture. That's been kind of, it's been interesting, like just as I remember being in school and, and talking to practicing architects and they had a really different take, it seemed on what architecture was about than what I did. 
but I was really interested in what they were saying. I mean, I think, I think architecture is in its best place. It really becomes like generational where you're sort of, you know, you're, you're listening to what people that have done architecture before you've said, but you're also taking into your own account. Like, you know, you brought up that thing about looking back at the past. It's like, yeah, of course I look back at the past. There's a lot of great buildings that I see that I'm really inspired by that I'm still discovering. But, you know, I think like, but was that sort of the, the, the end all um, of architecture? And I, I'd have to say, no, you know, I feel like it's a, a foundation kind of for where I, I see my work sort of in that continuum of things that were started years ago, you know, um, kind of moving, moving forward, be interesting to see where it goes, you know, beyond this, beyond us in this sort of stage. Are you playing at all with AI tools or anything like that? Or how's that affecting your practice or architecture? Not really. Um, no, you know, it's, it's just not really. I mean, I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't interest me that much. I feel like I've been doing it for kind of so long. Like I, I, you know, when I went to school, we were still drawing, we were still the first jobs I had, you know, in architecture offices, we were still, we were drafting with pencils, you know? And so I, I think like something really clicked for me. And it's probably one of the reasons that I even got into architecture was that, that connection between like your eye and your hand and sort of like, you know, the, the act of drawing sort of bringing things out of your mind from deep in your, in your sort of design process or thinking. So, I mean, I, I still pretty much keep it the same way, you know, our process, like in the office, it's like, there's a lot of sketching that I'll do a lot of like small models that I'll make, but then we'll, we'll, we'll start building things in, in Rhino and putting things in Enscape and sort of looking at them sort of three-dimensionally. And then, but it, then it gets to a point where I think we want to kind of revert back and keep moving through it. So we're kind of using all of it, you know, as much as, as much as we can, but I don't think, I don't really depend too much on, on that. I think for me, it's more like a, it's little old fashioned, it's, you know, pencil drawing, building little models, looking at it, spending time thinking about it, spending time, not, you know, not drawing or not building a model, just thinking about these things. So that's Craig, sort of the way our process works. Craig, in one of your interviews, I read that you're still trying to build the same house over and over again. <laughs> what house is that? And uh, are you just, is that what you see in your mind? Or? Almost done. Almost done. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know. I think like, I feel like it's sort of this action reaction sort of synthesis moving forward towards these sort of things. I mean, I, you know, I, I look at it earlier, I mean, I, and, and again, this is, I think a, it's probably like a really personal kind of view of it, you know, cause I mean, you know, there's, there's this string of, of, of me through them. And, but, I, but I look back and I see these beginnings of ideas that are in the earlier houses that they maybe don't really kind of get completed until later projects or, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, to you know, it's what is the house? It's like it's it's a sort of a long process of of adding to it and tweaking it and becoming something different. I just was wondering <laughs> if you could tell me that story. I, I read somewhere that I guess your first approach to Sea Ranch, or and then some of your parents' uh, remodeling kind of opened your eyes to architecture. So I'm just curious if how that's affected your practice, or if you keep reflecting back on that time. 
the sunset magazine i think it was <laughs> yeah that was the i mean realistically it's like i where i grew up it was i didn't even know what an architect was until i was a teenager you know where i grew up everyone just just built built their houses built what they needed and there were some pretty amazing things that people built you know there was there was a kind of an agency that i think um people have growing up in a rural place where you know you 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 fix things you make things if you if you want to um improve something you 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 do it so i think that definitely you know i think definitely part of the way that i still am is from that that process for sure but um but yeah there's you know like I, when i first i remember like being kind of near sea ranch and i was always in a drawing i was really interested in in the way a lot of their shapes and forms sort of looked um i remember drawing them and and really not thinking much about like about anything you know how they got there but just really liked how they looked and how they felt how they made me feel and um and i remember finding like an old sunset magazine and, and sort of making this connection between like an architect and someone designing houses and in buildings like that and being kind of blown away like <laughs> that this is a possibility this was a job <laughs> so yeah that that that's kind of where it all began for sure and then when did you start surfing? Was that just a childhood California thing? Or when did you really start getting into the ocean? I, I, I've always been into the ocean for sure. Like growing up, like, um, but I probably didn't start surfing. I went I went to uh, Cal Poly down in San Luis Obispo and I started surfing there. But I had like, you know, a, a super hand-me-down junkie board and a, and a ratty wetsuit that was like way too big and had too many holes in it. So I did it a little bit there, but... I didn't take it up seriously until I started kind of living in San Francisco. And um, that's, I, I grew up skiing. And, and the thing that I loved about skiing was like, you know, I could just go and ski, you know, for a couple of hours and then come home and do my thing. And when I moved to San Francisco, that kind of, and that when I went to college, that kind of became not a possibility. And 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 I feel like in a lot of ways, surfing just sort of replaced that as something you know, I could do every day just to clear my mind, kind of give me a place to think. And um, yeah, so that's, that's where surfing came into it for sure. But the ocean is like, you know, I, like it's pretty powerful draw for sure. Where were you surfing in San Francisco or still are? I mean, Ocean Beach or Lindemar? Or... You know, usual, usual places, usual San Francisco spots. Uh, Fort Point or whatnot, I guess. I don't know if you're. I've never there. surfed. Fort Point. Never surfed. Fort. Have you surfed Fort Point? Yeah, once. It's that left. It's good. It's just uh, <laughs> you got to be worried. It's almost like an LA vibe. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> I'm more of a Bolinas longboard kind of guy. You know, mellow, <laughs> right? Right on. But Ocean Beach, man. That I I, I feel like as an architect, that's got to just humble you and be useful for. Oh, uh, nice. You know what I mean? It's totally humbling. Like I I you know I I only go out on days when it's like reasonable size like I, I don't chase waves i just like i like i like ocean beach like you know fall when it's just oily and beautiful and glassy and magical and then i'm curious about how you parent and how you're kind of in the middle i mean stage of your career but i think your kids are how old your son um, my son's 20 yeah, so you're like now in a second stage of parenting. So I'm curious <laughs> how 
what lessons architecture has given you or how being a father has affected your practice or just, you know, the ocean, anything just about fatherhood? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty interesting. Like, um, you know, my office is in San Francisco and we, um, when we, when we remodeled our place on Beaver Street, you know, we, we really did it with this idea of, of I wanted to have the office as part of the house, um, kind of like a compound, like where, you know, people are coming and going and my family's there. And so, so my son has kind of always been around that in his whole life. He's been in the office. He's seen us working. He's seen, you know, people coming and going all the time. And, um, it's interesting because now he's he's actually studying architecture, and and it wasn't something that we ever sort of you know ever thought would happen you know or ever you know I, I made it look too fun and easy I always I always tell him, but but I think like it was it was interesting because he kind of was always around it, and you know he, he I think in a lot of ways he kind of hated architecture because when he was you know when he was really young we were always dragging him all over places like planes and trains and hitchhiking and you know the kindness of strangers and cars getting taking us to places that we had to see and he'd be just exhausted just beat and be like we've traveled all this way for this but it's interesting seeing him him study it now and i mean i, th I think the thing that i keep bringing up with him is like it's not about being you know this isn't he's not studying it to be i, I hope he's not studying it to be an architect i hope he's studying to kind of learn about architecture and get interested in architecture and whether he becomes an architect or not, that's down the road. That's for him to decide. But I think like that, that sort of process of it, I think maybe thinking more about the process as opposed, as opposed to the end result, which is something that I think about in architecture and what I do. And I think about it in, you know, in raising, you know, being a father and that kind of stuff. It's like, it's definitely the process of it. And I'm interested to see kind of where he takes it, but, you know, that's, it's kind of up to him. All I can do is sort of, you know, the same way with my, my jobs, all I have is the process of them. All I have is really, you know, the, you know, the, the day-to-day -day of, of coming up with the idea, seeing it sort of doing something with it, you know, seeing people live in it after afterwards. So, you know, it's, I think very similar to like fatherhood in some ways, like you just have to, you kind of put out some ideas and you sit back and see where it goes. You know, you, you do your best and then, you know, you hope for the best afterwards. But yes, it's been pretty interesting seeing him study architecture for sure. I read that when you were younger, you were fired um, from an architectural practice. Uh, and then you get maybe disillusioned with the realities of the day to day. I'm, I'm curious what that was about and like what you learned about being fired or if that gave you more freedom or. Oh well, I mean, yeah, that that's sort of my claim to fame is that I was I was fired from the best architecture offices in San Francisco. And um <laughs> it was, I think, like a process of just I think like I I had a an idea of what architecture could be and what it should be. And and I didn't really see that in a lot of offices. And I and so I I I kind of tried and tried to quit architecture. I tried to do so many other things like construction and you know, other things, but, um, I, I'd always keep getting dragged back into architecture because I was really interested in it. I was, my wife always jokes that every conversation is just like every con every topic is two sentences away from architecture. And it's kind of true with me, but, um, 
yeah, I just, at one point I feel like I got to the point where I just felt like, well, there was a way that I was going to do this. And if I'd have to do it my own way, and that's kind of what I just did. And, you know, our offices stayed kind of small and I've, I've resisted a lot of the sort of desires to take it in a direction that I didn't really want it to go, you know, but I mean, ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I made the right decision. I mean, it's definitely a hard, a harder road, but, but, you know, it was definitely worth it for me. Like, I'm really happy with the work that we're doing now and the projects we're getting and the clients we have. So, you know, ultimately it was worth it. How big is your practice now? I mean, how many under other architects you have? It's just We're small. We're like, it's just me and two other architects, two other architects that have worked with me for probably, you know, one of them has worked, Luigi's worked with me for probably 30 years. And, you know, Tim has been here for a few years, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tight group. We usually have a few, once in a while, we'll have people coming and going in and out, but it's, it's, it's sort of a tight core. And and I feel like with this, with a tight group like that, I don't have to be a manager as much. And, you know, we have kind of the luxury of being able to, if jobs come in, we can sort of stack them as our schedule starts to open up for them. So, you know, it's just like, it's a, it's, it's a different way of doing architecture, but I like it in the sense that it's, I mean, maybe that's a little bit that speed thing that you were talking about. Like we could, um, you know, get bigger, higher up, you know, do a lot more faster, but I like the pace of it. I like the pace of kind of having more ideas than projects. So it's, it's nice just to keep it pushed out a little bit. So that's how we do it. I mean, a smaller business seems just easier to run and operate and Completely. Yeah. yeah. I just, that's the way to do it. I think personally, especially if you see yeah. these big firms and they get, then you got to build skyscrapers or, you know, employ things to just keep a hundred people employed or whatever. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's sort of like, um, you know, we've, we've, you know, made, had that conversation lots of times about getting bigger and stuff. And every time I talk to other architects who I respect who've done it, you know, they, they just remind me of just like, you know, kind of like the world that I have set up and the products that I have and sort of the, the, the level that we're able to, to work at, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty good. And, you know, it's kind of like, just be thankful for what you have in some ways, you know, I, I feel like I've got a great system that I get to sort of express these ideas and keep kind of expanding on these ideas, keep meeting, you know, interesting people to work with. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason to change it. You know, there's, that's, I think kind of like, I feel like we're in a good place and it's only getting kind of, kind of better um, in terms of like, you know, the projects we're getting and where we're able to work and how deep we're able to sort of dig into these projects, getting to know places, getting to know materials, getting to know, you know, again, that process of how to, how to do it. Now that you've been teaching a little bit more, do you think architecture schools prepare people for the realities of sales and the job of getting business as an architect? I'm just curious, like that approach, like you probably just get work now flowing in, but getting your first, you know, clients is, maybe it's, you can tell me how that process went and how. Yeah, that, I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of like, I, I feel like there's so many things you should learn in architecture school to be an architect. Like you should take psychology classes. That's probably the most important thing to take. But, but I think like, I mean, really, I think all you can learn in architecture school is to be interested in architecture, you know, to be interested in what you can do with architecture and what architecture can be. And I, and I think all of those other sort of practical things, 
um, I think they only they're only really applicable when you know there's a means there's a, there's an end site there's a, there's a, there's an object and something to see. Like I feel like the thing that I, I see the problem with so many architecture schools is there's so much pressure for for them to prepare, you know people to be to graduate and just fit into a as a cog into a wheel in a big architecture firm. And I don't really think that does that does good for anybody. You know, I feel like, you know, I think I think architecture school, like I feel like when when I went and even earlier I talked to older people and you know architecture an architecture degree was really like a kind of a a problem solving degree, like a critical thinking degree. And and now it's definitely more technical and practical. Um, and, and I don't know, I think, I think an Arctic education is great, um, in that sense that it's a, it's a great degree. It's like, you have to, you have to come with these ideas. You have to explain these ideas. You have to talk about these ideas. You know, you have to, you have to have a kind of a knowledge of math. You have to have a knowledge of science. So I think it's a fantastic degree, whether you actually become a practicing architect. I think that's really up to whoever's doing it. If they really have the desire would it i always tell people in architecture it's like if you can do anything else do it you know it's just like i i tried to get out of architecture but i just really enjoyed it too much and i just finally decided that if i was going to do it i had to do it my own way so you know it's it's not an easy job i think to to um to to do to sort of you know keep your sort of love of architecture in but you know i think it's a, it's a I think more people should study it just to kind of get an opportunity to think about it and see it. It's around us. It's, it's around us everywhere. It's around, it's around everyone. You know, it's everyone spends half all their time in it. So it's whether you practice it or not, it's like beside the point. Yeah. No, I think it's almost like, it's like a literature degree or something. you you really have to, you know, it's a, it's a humanities and a science. So it's very useful in that way. No, I just, I, I went to Berkeley and I, you know, the Berkeley has a famous architecture school and I had a lot of roommates who are at Worcester Hall. So I would go to their critiques yeah. and I, I loved it. I just would watch their critiques and, you know, their open floor plans. And I never studied architecture, but I, I, I felt like I got an architecture degree just from attending those <laughs> uh, critiques, which were sometimes yeah. brutal, you know? They're brutal, but I mean, but I think it's like, it's, it's kind of amazing. You have to sort of like come with this idea you have to fall in love with it and you have to kind of explain it and present it and i think that's that's powerful it's just like that's a powerful skill to have yeah so so what year were you at cal when you were there uh 2000 to 2004 or whatever so right on yeah that's i i think yeah that that's yeah that that's the way i feel like i mean i think cal it, it's a sort of a classic architecture education which i, I think I, I see real benefits in that and, and kind of that freedom just to come up with any way to present an idea, you know, and to, to talk about that's where it's more of like an exploration of ideas, just an exploration, critical thinking. It's funny because I so, went to, uh, when I was in LA, I had a, a project near SciArc. So I'd always uh -huh. walk through SciArc and just yeah. like check out and listen and like they'd have their critiques and it's just a different program just a different environment and different feeling. So I'm curious, what's the University of Hawaii's architecture program like? What are they more theoretical, more grounded? What are they, how are they teaching? What are you I think, seeing? I mean, I think it's sort of like, um, I mean, it's, it's changing, you know, I think, I think there's some desire and, and to make it more critical, sort of critical thinking, I think, I mean, cause I think the reality, again, it's like, 
you know, there's there's two ways you can. I mean, are you are you just basically creating creating more architects, or are you creating people that have this sort of body of of that can think like an architect that can do other jobs? And I think that's that's sort of like the the two approaches to education to school. And you know, I think like just those ideas, like just that you were sort of like that of walking through different you know that interest in it. I mean, I think one of the things that's great about architecture school, and you saw this, and you were talking about it, is 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 the studio environment is just being so inundated and so deeply embedded in this idea of everyone working on these things and, and sort of these abstracts. And, and that's kind of different than I think a lot of other degrees. And so I think that in itself is powerful that just, you know, the more time you spend on something, the, the better it becomes. And I think that's applicable to so many different fields. So, I mean, that's, that's what I like to kind of, um, push in schools is just, is, is that sort of idea of it? Like, you know, where, where, you know, what's the, you know, that, that freedom of, of sort of thinking of ideas and, and, and less about practicality, but more about maybe possibilities. So going back to the University of Hawaii, what, like, what is architecture in Hawaii mean right now? I mean, there's kind of the heavyweights. Um, I think you're now in the middle career. I mean, who's your contemporaries? Who are you surfing with? Like, who are you excited by projects? Or <laughs> what is the design language? Is it still the plantation? Is it the, like, you know, what's the, what's differentiates Hawaii architecture from? Well, it's in transition. I mean, it's, it's a huge transition right now. I mean, I feel like, I mean, to me, like what's happening in Hawaii right now is exciting. And I see more excitement coming from, I don't really see it coming from many other architects in Hawaii. A few people I see, but I mean, I, I, when I'm, what I'm excited about is sort of like what I see coming out of kind of like what Hawaii's becoming is, you know, it's 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 taking what really was great about about what what's native to Hawaii, what's what's endemic to Hawaii, but it's it's also but it's 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 just adding this other stuff into it, and and that's exciting to me because I'm starting to see it in architecture, I'm starting to see it in in a lot of other things, and um and that's 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 I feel like it's an exciting time to be kind of one of the people that's adding to that kind of conversation about what, what is Hawaii becoming? You know, what, what is it becoming this, you know, this mix of cultures, this mix of things It still has this, this Hawaiian connection. Like what, what is, what's, what feels good about it. And that's, that's kind of, that's what I'd like to see happening. Yeah. It's already happening. I mean, I feel like there's, I feel like, you know, there's, there's the, the Lily Strand foundation, which I think is great. You know, um, that brings in great speakers. I think that's kind of a great sort of spot where, you know, people can come and talk about design from different disciplines. I think so many things in in Chinatown are that way. Base books, I feel, is that way. You know, different different places in 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 town. Um, you know, I think it's just it's it's conversational. It's just basically there's I think it's I think it's that. You know, I think it's really just you know, it's this process of people getting excited about what other people are doing, what other artists are doing, and and getting inspired by it, and seeing maybe how how things cross from disciplines as opposed to things being so in their track. Things sort of, you know, getting inspiration from from artists, getting inspiration from, you know, getting inspiration from, you know, hula, getting inspiration from fishing, getting inspiration from, you know, hunting, getting inspiration from, you know, living in Hawaii. That's, 
I mean, that's that's where I see it coming from. Getting in for in, you know, sort of inspiration from all these cultures sort of existing together. That that's that's exciting to me. Do you have any thoughts on the like the larger projects at the urban planning level, Hart, or maybe the Alawai? Or some of the, con- you know, I'm just curious as an architect, like how, you, you like working at the smaller scale. I'm curious how you think of the landscape at the larger scale. I mean, maybe you're on the big yeah, island. You don't think about us here in Oahu, but. No, no, we spend a lot of time over there. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, um you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get a grasp on in, in a sense of like the scale of things like that and sort of what they're, what they're about. Um you know, it's it, and I think it's hard to. I mean, I guess again, that's what I'm. I'm hoping to see some of these, like, you know, you know, like kids that are from Hawaii, people that you know have have grown up here, sort of get this sort of education that that has more. You know, they take what they know from Hawaii and sort of mix it with, you know, these other other parts of things from California, from Asia, and bring it back, and and sort of take it farther than that. I mean, I, I think, yeah, it's it's the. The bigger scale stuff, I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm not really excited about much of it. It seems like, you know, it, it's, you know, a lot of it's so much of it's developer driven. So much of it's, like, I mean, I, I always wonder if it is really have has the best interest, you know, in mind of like of of, of Hawaiians of of people in Honolulu. What's your take on it? Uh, I interviewed this other planning expert. And he yeah. told me that the heart is the world's most expensive light rail system in the world per mile and per, you know, passenger. I think it just highlights some, I mean, Hawaii is a beautiful place, but like paradise, we have lots of problems. So I think bringing in the issues of corruption, um, nepotism, these are all issues that also affect your architectural practice, right? The way the heart was yeah. designed was not really partaking in anyone's I, I wonder what the community process was. I've been to some board yeah. meetings about the Alawai. I think people sometimes are, you know, the, the critical voices here sometimes are not heard. Yeah. Maybe like in San Francisco, it's the other extreme. Every, like every single neighbor has their input heard maybe too much. So I'm, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm still a, a new person to Hawaii. So I can't, I, you know, like you, I'm an outsider. So I can have my opinions and maybe they're critical. So I just, it's disappointing though. I like trains, but maybe building a train system in the middle of the ocean was not the best use of funds or even benefiting people. Well, well think about the history of like when they put an H1, I mean, how that whole thing happened is just crazy. I just sort of drew a line across a map and it just, you know, it, it hits like in people's backyards and it's just, I mean, just the way these sort of big infrastructure things happen. In, have you, have you been to Okinawa? No, never. Uh-uh. So the Americans, Okinawa is amazing. You've been to Japan, right? Trains, buses, yes. Uh, a very flexible planning system. Okinawa is the opposite. The Americans ran Okinawa until like 1990, basically, at a urban planning. There are no trains. There's a monorail in Naha, but Okinawans love their cars. They have interstates. They love driving. It's a totally different environment. Single family homes, American track style development. So it, it's interesting wow. just to see how that, you know, the the big projects affect at the local level. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the same kind of, it seems like that's a similar situation about like, you know, I mean, I don't know, from my, my impression, Honolulu, it seems like it's, you know, kind of like it was, it was, it's, you know, government run for so long and, and that kind of like, you know, 
creates something. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about Okinawa that way. Well, what was the, I saw it the other a few months ago. I went to a, like a neighborhood board meeting about the Alawai, and yeah. you know, there's so many plans about the Alawai and what to do with the canal, and and you know, the there's some Army Corps of Engineers in Louisiana who's never even been to Hawaii, and their approach is to build these like giant ten foot walls to you know <laughs> keep the flood zone in, and you know, they're sitting there in swamp country, Louisiana, and then just you know, whatever billion dollar contract. So it's just fascinating to see how these super large powers disconnected from right. the local really affect what's going to happen. Like at the local level now, you, you want to build your, you know, let's say you get a small condo project on on that street. Like it, you have some other bureaucrat, you know, 3,000 miles away that's really going to affect your project. So it's right. fascinating to see that. So I'm, I mean, you're that's... you're talking about Hawaii and like bringing in this language of like aesthetics. It's just you're able to work with like a three four person firm, really have control over your you know customer and your landscape. So it's interesting all the other forces that bring in and affect your work. That's where I'm, I'm curious how you apply and you know navigate all that. Maybe you try to stay away from all that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like it's it's you know it's it's a level of scale that's just different. You know what I mean? It, and it, it that that's yeah. The, I mean, those those big that that that's those big projects like that. That's that's insane. That's just that's so interesting. Here, sort of seeing it and wondering where it's going to go. I mean, what what's the what's the so you went to a meeting? Well, tell me more about this meeting. Was it? Well, because there's so many people in Manoa who are furious, and then there's the University of Hawaii Engineering Water Department, and they have their own solution, like redoing, you know, in a much more localized way. And then you just have different battles, you know, different, you know, the lobbyists. It, it's a whole political machine. So it's a night like, yeah. so it's fascinating because you have these beautiful proposals from some engineer here at the University of Hawaii, and he's like, no, this is going to work. We can put taro plants, or whatever, a really localized kind of eco friendly. And then you have this, you know, there's some guy on Zoom who's not even been to Hawaii and he's just yeah, like right. making, looking, looking at maps. And it's just fascinating to see how they themselves have their own design process. And, and then and the, that's a Hawaii. That's a history of like just these, that's the history of Hawaii, just these big, yeah, these, you know, kind of like organizations and entities coming in and, and reacting and doing, you know, just doing these things. Well, it's like the H3, right? They built that basically like the government just needed another, I don't know, highway for some reason to transport some weapon. And um, they just built it and didn't, you know, they went over Kapu lands and it's complicated. So, right. For sure. So, so I, I like your small scale. I, I'm much more, you know, libertarian and I like a smaller scale where you can actually have all the stakeholders can actually talk and compromise. So maybe my question is like, how do you build compromise? How do you build, like as an architect, sometimes you fire clients, but how do you try to really navigate, like what does the role of compromise mean for you and how do you give and how do you not give too much in your process? Well, I think, that's, I, I think the key is it's just like, it's it's working with the right people and having just shared goals. You know, that's, compromise doesn't feel like a compromise if everybody's is you know, listening and appreciating what the other person's saying. And I feel like, you know, I think we're very careful. I think, I think we're very careful in the beginning to make the right connections with people. And then it feels like then it's easy, you know, it's easy giving people what they want. Um, it's easy getting sort of what everyone wants out of it. 
Um, so it's just finding, I think, like, you know, similar interests, similar goals. That's, that's the easiest way. What's your, um, I think somewhere I read about like letting go of fear. I'm curious what your fears are right now <laughs> in terms of, um, architecture, life, or just big waves. I don't know. <laughs> uh, letting go of fears. You know, I, I, um, you had a quote somewhere like, you know, you said, I don't know where I read, I, I read, I, I consumed all your interviews for like three hours. I just was like reading them. So they all blended into one. And I was like, oh, I just, I don't want to just do like a biography. A lot of people were, you know, oh, that's great. Some, you know, I was like, and I read something about fear and I was like, what is it? What, you know, what are you scared about right now? And like, you said something about like letting go of fear, you know, just doing the arc, like going with the flow kind of thing. But what are you scared of right now? And like in your practice, I'm curious what the fear is. Um, yeah, let's see. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel pretty good about it, about good, good about things right now. I mean, I guess the fear is that maybe, maybe getting comfortable sort of at a, at a, at a point and not like really pushing ideas or pushing clients as much or, or not really working with clients who, who kind of want to continue pushing things. Maybe that's, you know, we've been doing a lot of projects lately that are, that are, um, much more like feral projects, much more like, you know, projects that really shouldn't get built for the pr the price that the people had to build them. But, you know, we're, we're kind of doing them because, you know, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, like, I, I just hate, I guess that that's sort of like that. I don't know if it's a fear, but it's sort of like a concern to get so priced out of of just, you know, just being able to work for a certain type of client who has a certain type of budget, you know, and a certain type of, of expectation. And, and it's been great doing projects in San Francisco, as well as some in Hawaii that, you know, we've just made happen just by, you know, who we know and, and projects that should happen that, that are just like a pleasure. So, I mean, I, I think like, you know, not making it always so, um, driven by um finance not always so driven by um you know making making an hourly wage in a way and and that's been really fun those kind of projects those those things i mean i think in a way teaching is kind of that way too you know what i mean teaching is sort of like has that same kind of like uh you know you're you're you know you're you're it's it's more of like time you know and 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 as opposed to being like, you know, paid for it or paid equally for it, you're, you know, giving something, getting something else in return. How are you, I mean, you don't have to answer, but do most customers say like, Hey, I want to spend 500 bucks a square foot or a thousand or what, what's your range? I mean, in San Francisco, you can't build anything for less than 300, 400, right? 300, no, it's like, it's crazy now. I mean, it's just like the cost. That's, that's the thing. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, it's just like, it's it's just become you know and, and and it's just expensive to build these days you know it's just with with things being variables with with so many things kind of up in the air so i i guess that's what i'm saying it's sort of like it it starts to you know it, it can it, it can start to limit like i mean you know like literally if you talk to someone the sandwiches it costs to build and they'll, they'll you'll get prices between you know five hundred and fifteen hundred dollars a square foot you know it depends on on where where you're talking about and so it's, it's, but then you really start looking at it, 
and start looking at what what's involved in building. It's been really fun doing some of these projects where, you know, we're just doing them. We're just going in and 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 doing them, spending a lot of our own time, spending a lot of weekends and stuff. And so I mean, they're more. I keep calling them feral projects, but they feel in a way really um, like why I got into doing this in the first place. You know why why I got into doing architecture in the first place was just to be able to, you know, experiment and make these things. There's a freedom. That's a, that's a huge freedom in, in having it not be so expensive that having things, you know, at a smaller scale, just get done. Yeah. I think it's connecting back to that, you know, trying to build the same house over and over again. I get when you build at that smaller, looser scale, I guess you have less fears about failing or making a mistake. You can keep going and learn from that. Right. Versus a, you know, $5 million home or whatever, you know, something well, in San Francisco costs. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like there's a, when things aren't so, um, you know, it's a, it's a shame to bring money into it, but when, when things start costing so much money and, and it's such an investment, people lose their, their sort of their freedom, you know, they become more fearful of, of decisions and things working out. And, and there's a real pleasure in just kind of working with and just going for it and, and a lot more freedom and, and, you know, and things just sort of happening and, and kind of things happening for the right reasons. So, I mean, those, those are, those are, those are exciting. You know, it's nice having both in a way, being able to do both. That's definitely like, that feels great being on both sides of it, being able to do these sort of little jobs as well as, as big, just big jobs. I think that's kind of, kind of fun, like not only doing, being able to work in a lot of different scales. Like we we just did a gallery up in Napa that was kind of that way. Um, you know, again, like something that was like a, just a different scale than we usually work at. And it felt great. I mean, again, like it's the same, you know, whether you're doing some huge project or whether you're doing something, a tiny scale, it's the same skills, the same skill set, same kind of ideas that go into it. Um, great. One of my last questions is I saw in a lot of your projects, you have these conversation pits yeah where did those come from what's your attraction to them are they still in fashion are they coming back why do you build those i'm just curious i mean they're great yeah i mean it's funny it's just like again like i think that that first conversation pit we did um you know there was just a need for it it's 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 it served a purpose you know there's it's in a house that there's like an amazing view through it and and no one wanted to sort of have the view tampered with by furniture and blocked by things. So it just made sense to start to mitigate that by dropping it, having, you know, sort of like creating space by these different zones. Um, you know, and it, it, it just, it, it's, it was, a, it was just a tool. It wasn't really like a something, you know, like a, it wasn't a, a gimmick or a fad or an idea, you know, just, or something like a, a fashion thing. It's really solved a, a, a problem. A architectural spatial problem. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we use those, we use a lot of things. We use them, you know, it's, it's, there's a set of tools that we like to use when, when, you know, we need to solve a problem. It's just like, that's the conversation pits, like a, you know, like a, a good saw or a good, <laughs> a good screwdriver, you know, it gets things done when you need it. It's cool in that sense that like, yeah, it, basically you can, I mean, you can sort of, you know, create space, not with walls, you can create space just by a different, a different height, you know, a different, like, 
kind of um, spatial experience, which I think I think that's exciting about those. And then, Craig, um, are there any projects that you just aren't happy with? I'm just curious if there's something you would redo or, I mean, maybe all your projects you're redoing all the time, but something you're like, oh, man, I just really, you don't have to name it out, but what you learned or how you approached that project or, you know, the deep in-house, it's terrible, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just I, saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, it's it's like architecture is like, I remember like uh, wanting to build furniture, you know, wanting to like, and and. I remember like, you know, you get so excited about buildings, you know, this idea. And then, you know, you, you, you have to learn all these skills to make it. And the first one you make is just like, ah, oh, God, here it is. You know, it's not really what you want it to be, but then you keep making it again. So it's, it's, I mean, architecture is that way. It's like, I, I feel like, you know, it wasn't probably until 10 or 15 years ago that I got really happy about what I was doing, you know, just like really, or I felt like I was, I could kind of start to express ideas so it's it's just a it's a long process you know it's like those those early projects you know i i mean i, I go back in every project and I, and I see it and i wish i could see it like you know clean you know what i mean it's great you go into these houses and all all i can see is the things that didn't work out or ideas that didn't quite make it but you know i think like that's just the process of architecture it's just like you get better and better. I mean, maybe that's that, that, that same house thing. It's just like, you're, you're constantly, if you dig deep enough, you're constantly working on the same ideas and just finally getting, you know, you, you get, you're getting them better and better. You're just reworking them. You know, it's just like, it's a long process. It's, it's definitely like, you know, architects are doing this stuff until they're in their seventies and eighties for the most part. And then, uh, Craig, my last project question is what, what's the current project or what are you imagining for the future right now? What's your next goal or maybe for the next month or six months and year or 10 years, where do you see yourself going? Maybe well, I'm excited. I'm really excited about this project we're doing in Mexico. Um, that's really exciting in the sense that like, we, you know, we're doing it with literally, we're not, we, I was down at this spot and, and you'd see, and you'd see the local buildings and you'd see buildings that, that architects from Mexico City were coming in and doing. And they looked like they could be in Mexico City. And it was really interesting going down there and spending time and just looking at certain ways that things were built and taking those same ideas and and just using them slightly differently. That that's been really fun. Again, just like learning a new set of tools. Um not not bringing kind of this, you know, one of the things you were talking about earlier was that Instagram kind of, or that, you know, monoculture of, of modern architecture, you know, not just not bringing that to this place, but sort of taking, taking, you know, basically just working with what, what materials I have there locally and trying to accomplish some things spatially, you know, cop, cop, accomplish some things with form just with these different materials. That's, that's been really exciting, really fun. Where's this house going to be? In Mexico, it's in it's in La Saladita, which is in a kind of a near um, Zihuatanejo in in Guerrero. Okay, cool, nice. And this is for an American or for a Mexican customer? It's for a, it's for an American that's living down been living down there for a while. Nice. Well, Craig, anything else you want to share? Or I think my only <laughs> question is, I think your fear of maybe you should start thinking about doing big projects. How do we get you to redesign the heart as something? Um, maybe more in touch with that, the people. That would, be, that would be a dream getting getting started to do some bigger projects that would be a real dream but you know it's it's a lot it's a easier said than done you know it's just like it's 
you know, one of the things that you always, it's, it's just, it's hard. People, people start to know you for what you do and that's kind of what you, what you do. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do some, some projects on a bigger scale too. It'd be pretty interesting. Great. Uh, anything else, Craig, you want to share for people to uh, think about or take away from quarter century career in architecture? <laughs> no, I think, I think just, you know, just, Seeing the architecture is, is enough. It's, that's great. But it's been great talking to you, Robert. Mm-hmm.